The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, in studio. It's season three, episode 33 of the Daily Intermission Podcast. My name is Greg, your host. And let's get into the pregame show, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're not on the Chalkboard app, get on the Chalkboard app. It was absolutely humming. During the Dallas game, we were all chirping the wheels off of Brett Maher. It was an unbelievable experience on the Chalkboard app. So if you're not in, it's the best group chat going. Go to the App Store, download the Chalkboard app, join the Daily Intermission board, start putting in your best bets, start talking sports. It's unbelievable. So get on the Chalkboard app. Continuing on the pregame show, I will say that quarter one will be the NFL, per usual. Uh, quarter two will be the NBA per usual. Quarter three, the NHL. And quarter four, we'll talk a little bit about the golf, a little bit about MMA, I apologize, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll get things humming along here. But the story I'm going to tell, and so you know, I've been doing the podcast so long, and I'm trying to remember if I've told this story or not. I'm not sure if I have because it's maybe the most embarrassing story I have. So I was in my going into my last year of university, uh, and I was living in the college town, uh, not far from where I grew up. Um, and one of my best friends and I were working on the grounds crew together at the golf course, the local golf course. So I'd been working at the golf course since I was in middle school. I'd be washing carts, you know, in grade seven and eight, and then I worked in the back shop uh, for about five, six years. And then I, my final summer at the golf course, at that golf course, my home golf course, uh, I worked in the grounds crew, um, and so one night so every summer my family we haven't done it in in a few years because of covid but we would go down my uncle lives in southern maine it's it's why i've got such a connection to the boston area um my grand my grandmother on my mom's side and my grandfather on my dad's side actually both grew up in boston i have family that lives in southern maine just outside of massachusetts so um, it's, you know, it's really a special place, uh, for my family. And so anyway, we go down and visit, uh, Southern Maine every season or every year in, uh, in Saco, Maine and go to Old Orchard Beach. It's just such a beautiful place. Um, so, so I went down that summer, um, and my family was going to stay down longer. Um, and so I flew back cause I had to work. Um, you know, I couldn't miss, you know, a ton of days of work. So I flew back from Boston to Halifax and uh, it was on a Tuesday. I was getting ready for work on a Wednesday. And I went down to the local bar and it was Toonie Tuesday night at the bar. So after a long day of traveling, I haven't been eating much. I full send it as I did at that age. I don't know what I was, 20 years old. And I absolutely get polluted. I think I probably had like 20 loony beers and it wasn't a pretty sight. So I go back to my house and I chuck a chew or I have a chewing tobacco and um, I think I smoked a little bit of marijuana, um, and I end up being so sick, so sick that my roommates weren't in town. They had all gone back for the summer, but I lived in a five person house. I'll have to talk about that house in another episode uh, the house I lived. In. It was a 10 person male gong show house. Anyway, so my four of the roommates uh, in the top part of the apartment, they were all home for the summer, but there was one guy subletting and the guy subletting saw me like just in a terrible, terrible, um, you know, it, it, I was 
puking, you know, couldn't talk, blah, blah, blah. So he called an ambulance. Um, and at about 15 minutes before that, I had sent a Snapchat to my, you know, my best buddy, uh, John Deacon. I said he would pick me up for work every morning to go into the golf course. And I said, listen, man, you've got to come wake me up tomorrow morning for work. And I proceeded to drop my phone in my puke in the toilet. So phone's out of commission. Anyway, I wake up the next morning in the hospital, completely embarrassed, puke all over me. I've got like one of those blue bibs on and like khakis and the khakis are full of puke. It's just, it's, it's the most embarrassing time of my life. And you know, if you can take any learning from experience from this is don't, don't uh, binge drink one, never binge drink. Uh, and two is, is, you know, I guess it is probably good that I got into these hands, but so my grandfather was a doctor at the hospital and he was really the only one in the vicinity that could come pick me up. My, my, uh, family, I had my dad and brother who were in Halifax and I had my, um, my mom and my stepfather who were in Boston at the time, Maine. So I couldn't. I wasn't going to call my grandfather. I refused to call him. All the new nurses knew him. Everybody at the hospital knew who my grandfather was. He was the doctor at the hospital. So I wasn't calling him to come pick me up. So I get on the phone and I call the golf course. I call the golf course and the superintendent, the guy I'm working for on the ground scoop, comes and picks me up in the work truck from the hospital and drives me back to the apartment. It was an absolute gong show of a scene. Maybe the most it's important to learn those lessons. I think as a youngster um, to not only learn your limits, but just know how stupid it is to binge drink that much. Um, and I know, I think everybody does it throughout their party years in university, but a scary moment for me, for sure. I'm, I'm happy that, um, you know, it was taken care of and I don't think I would think I would have survived. I think I was just extremely sick and, and, um, but anyway, my stomach wasn't pumped or anything like that. Um, but I did wake up, um, obviously, you know, visually sick throughout the night and, and my, <laughs> the grounds creeper keeper came and picked me up at the hospital and he dropped me off and he said, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, but it's also, fu- it's also funny to hear that story when, uh, my best buddy, John Deacon tells it because he, obviously he was the one who received the Snapchat and he also went to the apartment the next morning to pick me up for work. Obviously I wasn't there. Um, so that's an interesting story. That's the story of me binge drinking, uh, on the way home from vacation and, uh, not being able to go to work the next morning because I was at the hospital. Um, so, uh, if you take, if you take anything from that story, don't binge drink, um, and don't you know, smoke marijuana when you're drinking. Uh, don't mix the two. I uh, wouldn't recommend it. And I guess a lot of the listeners are American. So, I mean, I, I mean, it's legal in Canada. And, um, so anyway, it's, uh, it's a gong show of a story, but I thought you guys might enjoy that. So that's the story of me puking on myself and ending up at the hospital and not having the nerve to call my grandfather to come pick me up. So my boss at the time came and picked me up and drove me home. But that's beside the point, ladies and gentlemen. Don't hold that against me. I'm a much more mature man. Come now. Come eight years later. Um, and uh, we're going to get into quarter one, the NFL. And it was the divisional round weekend. And what a weekend it was. I stayed away from... Uh, the money lines and, and plus odd bets. I had a lot of prop parlays going. Unfortunately, didn't hit any. Had a really, really nice look um, on on Saturday night, uh, but didn't have a great betting weekend in the NFL. I had a nice few NHL hits, um, but the NFL continues to to give me some issues. So hopefully, moving forward into the uh, to the championship weekends, we can make some money. But we're starting things off Saturday afternoon. The Jacksonville Jaguars traveled into Kansas City. It was a great game. Um, Kansas City, they are a wagon. Um, I will say that. Patrick Mahomes, in that first quarter, Patrick Mahomes, 
the sidearm slant, the pump fake sidearm slant he used to move the D end and to hit Juju Smith-Schuster, Juju Smith-Schuster on a slant route. That right there was incredible throw. And I, I, I don't think I can preface this enough by saying how hard it is to time a slant route because a slant route, obviously a lot of receivers run them at different depths and most of them run them at different speeds. Like if you have receivers that run at different pace, it was just such an incredible throw. So Patrick Mahomes looked good, uh, but he was seven, nothing quickly, uh, seven, seven um, Christian Kirk had an, had a nice grab out of the backfield. He would line up in the backfield and then and then ran a corner route. So Christian Kirk tied up the game. Uh, then it obviously goes on to be 10-7. Uh, and then, and then uh, Patrick Mahomes goes down, uh, rolls his ankle. Uh, we're not sure if he's going to return. A lot of skepticism around, you know, you know, how's his ankle feeling? He looked okay. He looked disappointed uh, when he had to go back to the locker room. I will say that. Uh, but, you know, anything can happen when Chad Henney comes in the game. So Henney comes in, drives 98 yards, uh, and they score a touchdown to go up 17-7. Uh, but anyway, we all know Mahomes ended up returning. Uh, the Chiefs close it out. Uh, the Jags, though, I end up covering the spread late in the game, lose twenty-seven to seven or twenty-seven to twenty. Uh, but the Jags. I mean, what a run they went on and um, obviously covered the plus nine and a half. But to win this game, I think they would have had to you know play perfect football. But they. Trevor Lawrence has arrived and the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be a threat. They're going to be, you know, the best, the best team in the AFC South, I would imagine for the next few years. I mean, with Tennessee having a lot of question marks at the quarterback position, Indy having a ton of question marks at the quarterback position, Houston is Houston. They were, you know, they were the worst team in the league, uh, second worst. So we'll see what happens in that division, but I'm feeling pretty confident that Jacksonville is going to have some other opportunities to go on runs in the playoffs, obviously with Calvin Ridley coming next season. Uh, but you can't say enough about the chiefs. Uh, they played so well. Um, Travis Kelsey, I mean, he has really thrown his name in the hat now to be, you know, is he a top tight end of all time? And I, I would argue that, yes. I don't know if he's the best. I don't know if he's surpassed Rob Gronkowski yet. Uh, but 14 catches in the game, just just such an amazing receiving tight end. I mean, this guy gets open. He's almost unguardable. He's such a big frame. Yards after catch machine. Travis Kelsey has a huge game. So the Jacksonville Jaguars fall to Kansas City Chiefs 27-20. And uh, we all kind of looked at Mahomes. Is Mahomes going to be healthy for uh, for the count for the um, championship weekend of the, in the AFC Championship? Obviously, left the, the game in a, in a boot, but I think you know he'll tape that thing up. He'll get all the treatment he needs. He'll be playing. He just won't be as mobile, uh, and he won't be playing as much backyard football as we normally see Patrick Mahomes play. But that was an exciting game to start the uh, start the night. I know a lot of the chalkboard app, a lot of the community was on the Jags plus nine and a half. So congrats to those betters. Um, you know, great teams cover what they say. Then we move to the night game. The New York Giants taking on the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in Philadelphia, in Lincoln Park, the link. And uh, and the Eagles came out flying. The Eagles really dismantled this team. 28-0 at half, 14-0 in the first, 14, another 14 points in the second half, 28-0. Um, and, you know, they couldn't they couldn't handle that offense. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts. I don't I mean, I think Jalen Hurts gets overlooked a tad. Um, you know, he's not he's not the best thrower of the football. But he's such a poised individual. He's so calm. He squats 600 pounds. Jalen Hurts is a power lifter. He's been powerlifting since like the age of 12. He squats 600 pounds. Absolutely outrageous. Efficient with the football, 16 to 24. I mean, like I said, the weapons, Dallas Goddard had a nice one-handed catch touchdown. Uh, Devontae Smith, phenomenal Heisman Trophy winner. A.J. Brown, we all know from Tennessee what a pickup that was. So, I mean, the Eagles are deep. We know how good of a team they are. 38 to 7 final. And when I look at the Giants is Daniel Jones couldn't get anything going on the ground. And that's what made them so electric. I think the week prior was Daniel Jones had that dual threat ability going. 
Um, and they just couldn't get that established. Uh, you know, whether the Eagles had that spy or whether they were containing him or they just, you know, they felt they were behind so much that Daniel Jones running wasn't going to be beneficial for them. Uh, but Daniel Jones couldn't find his stride on the ground. The Eagles end up winning 38-7 to and they will move on to the NFC Championship game. And then we move into Sunday. And I would say these Sunday games were probably a little bit more captivating for me. And we start things off in Buffalo in a bit of a snow game. The Bengals at Bills. And the Bengals had their way on offense. Felt like chunk run after chunk run. And they were setting up in this uh, Hayden Hurst and a receiver. And then receiver would be Boyd and Chase, for example. So two and two would be Higgins, Hurst, uh, Boyd, Chase. And they were riding a balanced two receiver set. Uh, four receiver set, I should say, and they were just running these just simple concepts that the Bills couldn't wrap their head around. Um, on the first touchdown to Hayden Hurst, uh, Jordan Poyer completely bit on like kind of like a sl- slant. Sl- I don't know what he did, like kind of a slant stop, uh, kind of a sit in the zone, and Burrow pumped it. And as soon as Poyer came up, Hayden Hurst was wide open uh, down the sideline. He ran, you know, kind of in a an abbreviated wheel route up the sideline, and and it was just you know it was easy work. So. Uh, Joe Burrow is really showcasing his ability to read defenses and really take what what uh, what the defense is giving him, change out of plays. Like he, that really impresses me about Joe Burrow and obviously his poise. He's been so amazing. Um, a lot of chatter around you know pregame about the Bengals missing three old linemen didn't really seem to be you know a, a real issue. I mean the Bills couldn't get any pressure on Joe Bangle. Uh Joe Burrow, I apologize, Joe Bangle. Um, but the chunk runs that they ran for like 137 yards combined over hundred yards for Joe Mixon. Uh, they couldn't really stop anything. Uh, so the bills defense was fairly, uh, you know, fairly disappointing and just the bills offense as well. They're asking Josh Allen to do a lot. And I know Josh Allen's kind of been the scapegoat here. And a lot of people are jumping on, you know, he's overrated. I mean, listen, Josh Allen is an incredible talent in the NFL. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the league that hasn't changed. Uh, but they couldn't run the ball. I mean, they had, I think, 11 carries between Singletary and, and Cook and only went for 30 yards. Um, and I think they really need a horse in Buffalo. Like, they need someone who, like, Josh Allen can't be your leading rusher. Like, you need to have a guy who's an absolute number one back who can get you five, six yards on a first down or on a first, uh, yeah, on a first down. So, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a clinic by the, by the Cincinnati Bengals all around. Uh, Lou Armarumo. Anarumo, uh, Lou Amaruno, the uh, the off, uh, defensive coordinator for uh, for Cincinnati, just he, he was just disguising looks, doing a fun, phenomenal job with pressure. I, I mean, the Bengals, it, all in all, was just a clinic. Twenty-seven to ten win over the Bills. Uh, a lot of people disappointed in Buffalo. Uh, Von Miller not there, you know, didn't help. Um, but I mean, they got outclassed, and it's unfortunate. But that's the uh, the reality of the situation in Buffalo. Um, a lot of guys, you know, up for new contracts. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. But I think that one thing they have to do is get someone in that backfield to help. Like Devin Singletary and James Cook. Obviously, it was James Cook's first season. Uh, we'll see what he has, uh, you know, to bring to the table next year. But I think they need a guy who's established maybe. I know that's that's really hard to do, but we'll see what happens with Buffalo. The Bengals moving on to take on the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City for the AFC Championship game. Unreal game. Um, obviously surprised uh, with Buffalo's inability to respond and to score, but you got to give you got to tip your cap to the uh, to the Cincinnati Bengals who uh, who once again are uh, find themselves in the AFC Championship game. And then we go to the Sunday Nighter, uh, Dallas versus San Francisco, and through the first quarter and a bit, it was everyone across all viewership were watching to see if Brett Mayer was going to get in the game, and he gets in there. After a Dalton Schultz touchdown to go up 6-3. 
and shanks the wheels off the extra point. It gets blocked, thankfully for him. Um, not a lot of people could dissect that this thing was going to miss by a mile. Um, but uh, I found both defenses in this game were absolutely humming. The San Francisco defense came to play, and so did the, the Dallas Cowboys. And I thought that that was kind of the biggest takeaway from the Dallas Cowboys game uh, prior to, um, uh, sorry, the week before against uh, Tampa Bay was their defense was just flying around. Um, Tony Pollard leaving the game obviously didn't help Dallas. There were some drop balls um, by Cowboys receivers. There was some uh, red zone interception. The two interceptions that Dak threw were not good interceptions. And, and Brock Purdy took, or, yeah, took care of the ball. Uh, and the Niners end up winning 19-12. to 12 And not the most thrilling game. Um, but, I mean, the 49ers take care of business at home. And now we've got uh, Bengals at Chiefs and San Fran at Philadelphia. And I would argue that the four best teams. Um, you can kind of argue, you know, where Cincinnati and Buffalo stood. But I would say these are the four best teams in the NFL right now. And they all make it to the, uh, to the semifinals. So, going to be a super exciting weekend. We'll break these games down more on Friday in terms of picks and what we're thinking. But, you know, what a weekend in the NFL. Um, I don't think there was any major surprises. Maybe the you know the the uh, beatdown in Philadelphia. You thought maybe the Giants would bring more to the table, um, and, and potentially the Bills. But we all knew what the Bengals were and, and how that was going to be a highly competitive game. Uh, so great weekend of football. Uh, if you weren't in the chalkboard app, it was electric during those games. I was also live on TikTok for uh, the majority of the first game. Um, so it was exciting. But uh, but we'll move on into championship weekend with a couple heaters on deck. All right, folks, let's move into quarter two, and we're going to talk about the NBA. Uh, the Grizzlies versus Lakers. This was obviously the biggest headline out of the NBA this week. Um, Shannon Sharp, uh, he hosts a TV show with uh, Skip Bayless, obviously a Hall of Fame um, receiver to the NFL, was chirping the wheels off of Dylan Brooks, saying he couldn't guard LeBron James. Um, Dylan Brooks kind of starts yelling at him, and then John Morant gets into it. John Morant's dad comes down and gets in his face. <laughs> It was just a big debacle uh, in the Lakers-Grizzlies game. So, I mean, Shannon Sharp and John Morant's dad made up. I'm not really sure. I'm kind of, I, I don't think that uh, Shannon Sharp should be chirping from courtside, but, I mean, people do what they want to do. Uh, the Lakers, though, the Lakers are kind of coming on, coming into their own. Last night, LeBron scored 37 points to come back and surpass a 25-point deficit versus Portland. They're now two games out of six in the Western Conference. Obviously, they're doing this without Anthony Davis. Russell Westbrook's been phenomenal lately. It's funny, hey, when Russ starts to play good, a lot of his haters kind of shut up. But as soon as he has a bad shooting game, he'll be directly back in the spotlight. Um but they've got to make some trades, uh, for sure. They've got to, um, you know, make some adjustments, bring in some pieces if they want to make a round or be competitive in the playoffs, which you're not going to write off a season with LeBron James. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, we talked about a last episode with some of the names that are floating around uh, with John Collins and and uh, Jay Crowder and and uh, things of that, players of that, Yakupotal, um, also Miles Turner. You can throw in that mix now. So. Uh, we'll see what happens there with the Lakers, uh, but obviously on a little bit of a, a nice run. They're just one game behind 500, but they're also just two games out of the sixth place spot um, in the in the Western Conference, which right now is held by the Los Angeles Clippers. And I've been kind of just, I, I find this is a team that kind of flies under the radar a little bit. Um, and Kawhi Leonard's been quietly having some nice nights. He's got 30 points and five is less six. Um, not a lot of people talk about Kawhi Leonard. Um, even when he was in San Antonio, you know, not a lot of people gave him a lot of credit. Um, obviously winning a finals MVP there, uh, he's run in Toronto. I'm not sure the magnitude of Kawhi Leonard's performance in the, 
obviously was gigantic in Canada. That's all we heard about. Uh, but outside, like, I wonder what, you know, people think about Kawhi Leonard and what the narrative is around him. Obviously, he's a very quiet guy. His interviews aren't very animated. He's a very, uh, he's an introverted individual that will put it that way. But he's been phenomenal as of late. And uh, the Clippers obviously will be a playoff team. And, and we'll see what Kawhi Leonard does. He have a little magic left for another playoff run. If you guys haven't pulled up your Instagram page and looked at Tyler Hero's 23rd birthday shout out that he gave to himself, scroll through those photos and tell me you don't love yourself. This guy had his 23rd birthday this week. Obviously, he's a phenomenal player. He's now starting for the Miami Heat. It was one of the most obnoxious Instagram posts I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the outfits that he's wearing in this in this post. Oh, man, it's unbelievable. Like snake print uh, pants and blue fluffy hoodies. I'm not a big fashion guy. Uh, obviously, I know that a lot of these pieces of clothing that he's wearing are worth thousands of dollars. Um, but it's uh, it's a complete milk, in my opinion. So if you didn't check out Tyler Hero's birthday shout-out that he gave to himself, go check it out. Um, it was uh, It's a sight to see, for sure. Maybe leave a comment. I don't know if I left a comment or not, but maybe leave a comment and let him know that... Uh, He's looking pretty milky. Another name we can throw into the trade mix into the people who are requesting trades, Serge Ibaka. So Serge Ibaka, obviously former Raptor. Um, he's been in Milwaukee for the last two seasons. It sounds like that the Milwaukee Bucks and Serge Ibaka have come to a mutual agreement that they're going to move on. Could be a player that the Los Angeles Lakers target. I'm a big Serge Ibaka fan. Obviously haven't really paid close attention to his last two seasons in Milwaukee. Um, but Serge Ibaka is certainly a guy that uh, can help on the de- defensive side of things uh, for a basketball team. I really like his character as well. They used to do a TV show here in Canada about Serge. Um, he used to host like dinners and cook for people. Really funny guy, great character. So Serge Ibaka will be finding a new home here shortly, and it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. And just finally, the Pelicans, they've lost four in a row, and they are starting to kind of spiral out of control with the loss of Zion Williamson and Brendan Ingram. Um what a team that's that that's a scary team in my opinion. That's a team that could make some noise in the playoffs with a healthy Zion Williamson, healthy Brandon Ingram, obviously CJ McCollum, a great pickup last year to Portland. And then you've got a true big and Jonas Valanciunas who is is just he he's a phenomenal player. So I really like this Pelicans team if they can get healthy. Um and I mean, we'll we'll see what happens, but it, uh, it obviously things aren't going well with their absence of Brendan Ingram and Zion losing four in a row. Uh, but they still find themselves in the top six in the Western Conference. So, uh, but yeah, we'll uh, we're about I guess you know two weeks away um, from the NBA All Star Game, the dunk competition. Uh, we'll see if there's any trades pre All Star Game. Um, but uh, but it's been exciting. Obviously, a weekend dominated by the NFL. Uh, the NBA had a bit of news pouring out as well. All right, folks. Moving into quarter three, and we've got the Vancouver Canucks. And this is a story that's making headlines everywhere. Is their treatment of Bruce Boudreau. Bruce Boudreau, maybe one of the ugliest bastards in sports. Just a bald guy with the double chin, but he's a beauty. This guy is a phenomenal guy. He's a player's coach, apparently. Um, you know, players love to play for this guy, and it's just unfortunate, the situation. Obviously, he took over last year. They went on a nice run, ended up missing the playoffs. Then this year, it's just been an absolute shit show. And uh, I don't know how much you can put on Bruce Boudreau. Just even the blueprint of this team doesn't seem like it's it's made out for a lot of success. Uh, but uh, but Bruce Boudreau, obviously, he knew he was getting fired. The crowd chanted, Bruce, there it is. An emotional let go of Bruce Boudreau. Um, you know, a guy who's been in the game for around, you know, a half a century, you know, 50 years in the NHL and in the game of hockey, helping out. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I guess that would just be from a young age of playing and now coaching. But 
But Brucey B, be interesting to see if he goes out and, and gets hired as an assistant somewhere for a team because I think that that guy could bring a lot to a team. Um, but the Vancouver Canucks, yeah, they're moving forward with Rick Tockett as their head coach. Obviously, you'll know Rick Tockett from being on the TNT panel with Biznasty and Wayne Gretzky. Um, so Rick Tockett will take over the head job um, in Vancouver, and he's bringing on Adam Foote, uh, former defenseman for the Colorado Avalanche. Um, Adam Foote. Um, we'll, uh, we'll help coach Rick Tockett and they also brought in Sergey Gonchar. He's kind of been a bit of a defenseman whisperer. Um, I do believe so he's going to help out the defense and, and that's a nice little, uh, that's a nice little roster of names, uh, to help out the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Obviously this year they're going to move out some pieces. They'll be moving on from, from Bo Horvat and, and it'll be interesting to see what else they move out. Uh, but they don't have a lot of prospects. They don't have a lot of cap room. Uh, they're in a shitty situation there in in, uh, in Vancouver, so we'll see what happens. But obviously, a major headline there: the Bruce Bruce Boudreau gets fired. Uh, a few weeks ago, they they said um, the the GM in Vancouver kind of came out and said publicly that they've been interviewing people. This is when Bruce still had the job, so people a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of people a lot of uproar I'll say uh, around the, how they handled the the firing of Bruce Boudreau. But he'll find a new home hopefully, and he is out as the head coach. In Vancouver, Max Pacioretty, a guy who, you know, has had, you know, up and down career, uh, obviously was the captain in Montreal, then moves on to Vegas, now in Carolina, has tore his ACL once again, will miss the remainder of the year, potentially could be done for his career. I don't know which direction Max Pacioretty is going to go in, but super sad story there. Um, but obviously it does open up the door. I think he's a $7 million cap hit, so the Carolina Hurricanes definitely sprout up and shoot up to the top of the Bo Horvat sweepstakes. Um, they will definitely be acquiring a top six forward at the deadline. I'll be interested to see who it is, but it's just tough. It's tough for, uh, for Max Pacioretty. Um, you know, he, he's a great player. Uh, I think at times maybe a little undervalued in, in his ability to score goals, but uh, tough, tough scene there for Max Pacioretty as he tears his ACL once again. Um, and we'll be watching the Hurricanes because you know they're going to be making some noise. Uh, they feel like they can go on a run, and it's going to be take. They're going to they're going to need some help up front. I do believe in their top six. Eric Carlson. It's been a little while since I've talked about Eric Carlson, but sixty two points already in the season through forty six games, having an absolute monster year uh, for a team that's not very good. He came out and said this week uh, that he's interested in being in contention to win a cup. Um, so I think San Jose could be a team that's very active at the deadline. I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to this trade deadline. Uh, Eric Carlson obviously would be a huge help to a back end. There's going to have to be some serious retained salary there. He's making over $11 million per season. Um, also Timo Meyer, another guy, and it sounds like he's a UFA at the end of the year. And it sounds like that the, uh, San Jose Sharks haven't been in talks with Timo Meyer about a potential contract extension. So that's another guy. He's got 27 goals in the season. Um, could be on the move as well. So Timo Meyer and Eric Carlson out of the San Jose Sharks, what massive additions that would be. And I think about the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, what would it take for a guy like Timo Meyer to go join the Leafs? Um, you know, that would be a nice addition to the top six. So we'll see what happens with Timo Meyer. Um, and uh, the San Jose Sharks are definitely going to be a team to circle. They'll be moving out some pieces, and there's some good pieces at that uh, that will be joining new teams. Funny story here, Arbor Jackeye, obviously we talk about Wi-Fi and Jackeye and his addition to the Montreal Canadiens, the former Costco worker, monstrous defenseman that just is fighting everybody. Kind of called out Radko Gudis in a really greasy game versus Florida last week. Uh, Radko Gudis, uh, kind of a bigger, burly dude for uh, defenseman on the Florida Panthers, but doesn't really drop the gloves. And I guess Arbor Jackeye wanted to mix it up with them, 
you know, he's a guy that, you know, is very sticksy. He can, you know, he throws out some greasy hits at times, uh, but just is kind of scared to, to let go of the mitts. Some would say they're super glued onto his hands. So uh, Arbor Jackai calls him out in the media. We'll see if uh, maybe they, they square off next time they play. And just finally in the NHL, um, we've got uh, the All-Star game. Just about two weeks away, so uh, so we'll be monitoring that. It's going to be in Florida. There's going to be some golf involved, um, and so we'll uh, we'll uh, hype that up. It's February fourth. It begins. Um, so there's a lot of events in the All Star Game that we like. Obviously, the fastest skater is a fun one. Um, the shootout stuff is all right, uh, but the hardest shots always fun to watch as well. I, I enjoy the NHL All Star Weekend, so we'll see what kind of nuances they bring into that uh, All Star Weekend, and uh, we'll keep uh, we'll keep up with the NHL and what's going on. All right, folks, quarter four, and I had to give a shout-out to Brooke Henderson, the GOAT of Canadian golf, the greatest Canadian golfer of all time. She wins the women's, the LPGA Tour Tournament of Champions, her 13th career win, and it's her first week debuting on Team TaylorMade. So she was using all new clubs, new putter, and ends up winning anyway. I'm excited to see what she does formerly with paying now with TaylorMade. I think that's an upgrade. I think golf fans would, would understand and would agree with me that TaylorMade is a bit better than paying. You can you can have your own opinion opinion on that. I would say it is. Um, so yeah, team Taylor made now for Brooke Henderson. They also signed Nelly Corda. Gosh, I'm a huge fan of Nelly Corda. It's a side note here. God, I'd marry that girl. Uh, but uh, Brooke Henderson, yeah, uh, gets her 13th win. Uh, the next highest in Canadian golf is obviously Mike Weir. He won eight times on tour. But Brooke Henderson, multiple time major winner, 13th win, uh, and at age 25, extremely spectacular stuff from Brooke Henderson. John Rahm. <laughs> Mr. John Rom wins his second start of the season. Obviously, won the Century Tournament of Champions. Has now won his second event. Wins this week in California at the at the uh, American Express. Uh, gets it done over youngster Davis Thompson, former Georgia standout. So uh, Davis Thompson, he he fought. I'll give it to him. Uh, fought right until the 18th. Uh, but John Rom held on to that lead. Held strong. Um, you know, there was a few other names in the mix. Shoffley kind of got in the mix for the final day, 62. Taylor Montgomery was a right there, but he hosel shanked one into the water on the 17th. Um, but John Rahm, this guy's on a tear and it's, uh, he can't be beat right now. And what's unfortunate is right now we're moving into the farmer's insurance open at Torrey Pines and John Rahm, he proposed to his wife at Torrey Pines. He's also won there. I mean, He's going to be, he's a course horse for Terry Pines. And I've already used him, so I can't use him in the one and done. But I mean, just in the betting world, he's a, he's a guy that, uh, you know, obviously feels really good about his game and, and, um, you know, is going to be uh, in the mix uh, at uh, Torrey Pines. Another guy. So we'll get into some research here, obviously, for, for your one and done pools and for your betting uh, coming up uh, in California this week, staying in California. Xander Shoffley, uh, he's from this area. He's never really played well um, at Torrey Pines. So they play the south and the north course, and then I do believe they just play the south course Saturday and Sunday. Um, so one day at the north, one day at the south. Uh, obviously, uh, last year, Luke List won in a playoff over Will Zalatoris. Um, and then the year prior to that, uh, I remember Patrick Reed was fluffing his ball in the rough. He was cheating his way around Torrey Pines and won. Um, so this is the south course um, at... Uh, at at Torrey Pines and Will Zalatoris has a, a second place in the seventh finish. Um, here at Torrey Pines, it's uh, Justin Thomas has come top 20. Um, I don't know if he's playing this week. Sung JM has a de- decent, uh, decent run here. Uh, 
Jason Day is another guy to look at, but John Rahm, I mean, John Rahm has... Listen to John Rahm's last five finishes here at Torrey Pines. I think one does include in the U.S. Open, but third, first, seventh, second, and fifth here at Torrey Pines. He also, like I said, he he proposed to his wife here. Um, so if I were to use John Rahm, I don't know if a lot of people are going to hop on John Rahm here. Uh, Tony Finau's been cut the last two times here, but before that, second, sixth, and 13th. Uh, his game's trending as well, so might be another, another guy to look at. Uh, I'll continue to do some research. I'll give you guys a narrative on Instagram this week of who I'm liking and uh, who I'm looking at. But obviously, we're moving on into Torrey Pines this week, the PGA Tour live and well. John Rahm, two out of three wins to start the season. And just finally in the MMA, Glover Teixeira hangs him up after losing um, in a light heavyweight bout in Brazil. I was watching a bit of that card. Just some electric fights. These two brothers from Brazil fought. They made quick work. They made their UFC debuts. Um, you know, what a card. But now we're looking forward to Islam and, and Volkanovski. Uh, obviously, John Bones Jones um, and, uh, and and Cyril Gaon. It, it's it's just, there's a lot of great fights coming up in the MMA. The Australian Open uh, continues to hum along. Novak Djokovic is still in the mix, so I expect him to win. But that, uh, that'll wrap things up, folks. I'm hoping to have Pork on. I know I was, I was supposed to have Pork on for this episode, but it, it looks like uh, Thursday might work out better for him. So hopefully Friday morning you'll be able to listen to Pork, uh, the big Irishman who's a head pro uh, in Vancouver. But, uh, but listen, ladies and gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. Uh, make sure you five-star the episode. Make sure you're following along on all the socials. And we'll catch up with you guys on Friday. Listen, enjoy your weeks.